following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Let's open up with some prayer. Lord, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness and your promises and your word. We're thankful that this morning we can open up your word and um, to see what it is those promises are that you've made to us. And I pray that uh, your scripture would guide us and that the truth would just sink into our hearts. Amen. So how many of you have seen all or most of the Marvel movies? Okay, a little heavy on this side. Okay, okay. Um, so if you don't know, the Marvel movies are like superhero movies with Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. And since 2008, more than 20 of these movies have been made. <clears throat> and at first, each of these heroes had their own movie. Um, Iron Man has his, Captain America had his, and there was no crossover. Um, and so the first four movies seemed pretty separate. But audiences, you know, were starting to get to know them and the character development and all those things. Um, but then at one point, Marvel made a movie called The Avengers. And this movie took characters that had their own standalone and brought them all together into one movie. And it was at this point that we started to see that there was a bigger story going on. And all of a sudden, we saw that there was an overarching narrative and a lot of the movies can stand on their own, but they're a lot better when they're put into the context that the writers are trying to get across. Um, and so when I was thinking about preaching this morning, I was thinking about um, the whole overarching story of Scripture. Now, thinking about these movies, how they do stand alone, just like the books of the Bibles can stand alone, but they make so much more sense, and they're a lot greater once we see that there's an overall story to Scripture. So this morning we're going to look at Acts chapter 13, verses 13 to 32, which is on page 921 in the Pew Bible. It says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John let them in return to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message of, to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and men, motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king. And God said, uh, gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. <clears throat> and when he had removed him, 
he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised before his coming. John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whom, uh, whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent this message of the salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who we are now witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that God had promised to the fathers. So this morning I want to examine the overarching narrative of Scripture. The narrative of Scripture is the story of God's promised plan for salvation. And more specifically, the narrative of Scripture is the story of God's promised plan for salvation through his son, Jesus. God always had a plan of redemption. And we can read God's word and see this plan unfold throughout all of Scripture. All of Scripture points to these two truths that God has a plan for salvation, which he has revealed over time to his people, and that his plan is accomplished through his one and only son, Jesus. So let's take a deeper look at what Paul says in verses 16 to 32. Uh, Jumping to 17, verse 17, Paul says, The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out of it. So just right here, Paul says, or starts off with an account that has a lot. The first six words alone reveal something extraordinary. It's the God of this people, Israel. So what do we learn from this statement? That God has a people, and his people are the Israelites. And we can see the origin of God's relationship with Israel in Genesis, when God makes a promise to Abraham. So if you look at Genesis 17, this is God speaking to Abraham. And he says, uh, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offsprings after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession I will be their God. So in Genesis, God appears to Abraham and develops a gracious covenant with him. 
up to this point in human history, people don't have a great track record of obeying God. And we know by this point, sin has well entered the hearts of man. And so, what does God do? How does God carry out his plan for salvation? By intervening and establishing a covenant relationship with man, starting with Abraham and his household. The promise to make Abraham the father of many is the beginning of Israel and the beginning of the Lord's promise to be their God. And just as a side note to emphasize God's word, the youth group that's been uh, has been studying the books of the Old Testament in order. Uh, we've been using a video series to do that. And as we've gone through the first few books of the Bible, we've been able to learn that the generations that came after Abraham Um, just went back and forth between obeying and disobeying God, and they didn't always have a great track record either. Uh, But what's so amazing is that God continued to provide for those generations because he said he would. He made a covenant promise to be their God, and he can't go back on his word. And so knowing this fact should be an encouragement to us today um, because when we look at the promises God has made, we know he can't go back on those promises. And so continuing to look at verse 17, once again, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out. So continuing with Israel's history and the narrative of scripture, in the beginning of the book of Exodus, we read that the nation of Israel was dwelling in the land of Egypt. And during their time in Egypt, God multiplied their numbers. The population of Israel grew and grew, and now we know that Israel didn't stay in Egypt forever, but because their population was growing so rapidly and so big, the rulers of Egypt became worried and decided to suppress the Israelites so they wouldn't turn against them and make war with them. And at this point, as readers of this account, we see an interesting situation, because on one hand, God was blessing them. They were, he was increasing their numbers um, and making them great. And on the other hand, they were enslaved to the rulers of Egypt. And so how was God at work in both situations? And we can see the answer in Genesis 15. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. To your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So back when God was making his covenant with Abraham, he told Abraham that all this was going to happen. He told them that his descendants would be sojourners in a land that is not their own, and that they would be servants to those who ruled over the land. When the events that led Israel into Egypt unfolded, God was with him, with them. He was present with his people while they were multiplying and while they were faced with affliction. And as I mentioned earlier, the people of Israel didn't stay in Egypt. It was always God's plan to lead them out. So fast forward hundreds of years after the people of Israel have been enslaved by the people of Egypt. God speaks to a man named Moses and tells him to speak to Pharaoh. God wants Moses to tell Pharaoh that he should let the people of Israel free. 
After Pharaoh denies this request, God sends a series of plagues on Egypt so that Pharaoh might let Israel go. And again and again, Pharaoh denies the request and becomes more and more bitter. In Exodus 11, God tells Moses about the last plague he's going to send. He tells Moses that his spirit is going to come in the middle of the night and claim the lives of the firstborn of Egypt. In chapter 12, God gives Moses instructions on how to be saved from the last plague. This account is deeply connected to the overall narrative of Scripture. In verses 12 to 13, God says if a family takes the blood of an unblemished lamb and puts the blood on the doorposts of their home, God will pass over that home and spare the firstborn. This account is a direct foreshadow to Jesus' death on the cross. The blood of Jesus uh, covers our sins and satisfies the wrath of God, just as the blood of the perfect lamb satisfied God in Egypt. And this is an example showing that God has always had a plan for salvation. Again, this is a lot to kind of reflect on and to take a look at when we're thinking about the overall narrative of Scripture. Um, but we can see that God has always had a plan and it's always been unfolding. And Paul's um, depiction of that in Acts 13, he takes that account and just recalls the whole history of Israel and um, just shows how God's plan has been unfolding through that. And so next week, we're going to look at what Paul says in the rest of Acts 13. And as we do, we'll see more and more instances of how God has revealed his salvation plan throughout all of Scripture. So let's close in prayer. Lord, again, we just want to thank you for your word. And we just want to thank you for the work that you have done. Lord, we can read the account in Scripture of everything that you have done through Israel and for Israel. And we're thankful that that includes us today. Lord, as we'll see next week, um, that we have become a part of that covenant because of your work through your Son. So, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to work on our hearts through all this week and to just prepare us um, for reading your truth. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.